My favorite blessing is found um, in Numbers 6, 24 through, through 26. And you're already familiar with it because I've been blessing you with it for the last three months, right? And this is the blessing that God ordained that the priest of Israel would use to speak blessing over his kids. And, uh, you know, he called his kids his children of Israel. And that same blessing I have uh, the privilege of praying over you at the, at the, end, of our, at the end of our study. Um, and really, it raises the question, how is it that we as Christians can speak a blessing over others? Uh, well, it's, it's easy. The New Testament clearly reveals that every believer in Christ is not only now called holy, a saint in Christ, but has also bestowed the office of a priest. You know, you all are priests. Okay, you're priests of your household. You're a minister to God in worship and for God to others. We can read in 1 Peter 2.5, it says, You also, as living stones, are being built up in a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a holy priesthood. In Revelation 1, 5, and 6, we read this, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and, and ever. Amen. All right? So we are kings and priests. So just looking at these two scriptures, this gives us authority to speak blessing, knowing that the power of God's word and promises that are backing up that blessing is, is in cahoots with our Father, right? He agrees with what we're saying. He agrees with what we're doing. And he's fully ready to enforce and apply all of its applications. Right. In number six, we read that God spoke to Moses and tells him to tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you to bless my children. So he, he lays it out. And this is called the ironic blessing. All right, let's read this together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Ah, that's just beautiful. And you can do that anytime you like. All right? you, you have the power. All right? uh, there's a lot to this blessing. Let's, let's break it down just a bit. The Lord may bless you and keep you. Um, let me see. No, let's not do that just yet. <laughs> yes, the Lord bless you and keep you. So the Lord in whose name this blessing is offered is the God of the universe, the creator of everything. And he's unlimited in his capacity to prosper uh, the efforts of those he blesses. And he's unrestricted in his power to protect those he keeps. So the Lord bless you and keep you. Second line, the Lord make his face shine upon you. His face shines like the sun, shining in its strength. We read about his shining face in Revelation 1.16. His face radiates with glory, a glory that goes before us, defends from uh, behind us, and then covers us with his presence. You can read more about that in Isaiah 4, verse 5, and 58.8. Then next it says, be gracious to you. So we're asking to receive God's grace, and that's that quality of God's nature that describes not only his will to show forgiveness, which we don't deserve, but also his readiness to give us the ability to receive daily power for living that we don't possess. We need that daily. 
This grace, this power sustains us until the day of Jesus Christ. Next it says, The Lord lift up His countenance upon you. Again, the Lord, the one and only maker of heaven and earth, our Savior, our Redeemer, and King of the universe, is now invited to allow His smile of approval to surround the individual that's being blessed. That's what we're inviting God to do. His countenance shines with love upon His own when directed against evil. He scatters the power of the enemy's efforts to, uh, to curse. Proverbs 16.15 reads, In the light of the king's face is life. Isn't that beautiful? In the light of the king's face is life. Lastly, and give you peace. God's peace is like a guardian that preserves the soul in the same way that a sentry stands by his watch at his post. And Philippians 4.6-7, uh, it reads, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So family, have regular times when you lay your hands on your kids. Speak the words of your blessing with that quiet confidence that you are privileged by the living God to declare that blessing. You can do that. It's okay. God will himself will attend to the word spoken because when you bless with his word, you are speaking according to his will. So you bless his word. Bless your babies with scripture. All right? Now, sometimes there's a need to speak these blessings according to specific needs. Sometimes things aren't general. It's specific. So see that you do this often and it's the power, the privilege that God has given you as, as a parent, as an adult, as, as the person in charge. So when you're speaking a blessing, you can speak a blessing with the reminder of God's never forsaking presence and protection. That comes from Psalm 23. Speak a blessing that will comfort in the midst of turmoil or, or upset. And you can read about that in Judges 6.24. Speak a blessing that calls for God's grace of healing, know that he, knowing that he wants to heal the sick. Ezekiel 15:26. Speak a blessing that reminds the child that the battle is not theirs, but the Lord's. From Exodus 17:15 and 2 Chronicles 20:15. Speak a blessing that declares how injustice will come from God, how, how justice will come from God, even when unfair circumstances seem to be dominating. And also speak a blessing that deepens the assurance of the Lord's attendant care and his keeping presence from Ezekiel 48:35. So, bless your babies. No matter how old, bless your children. Bless your grandchildren. Bless your great-grandchildren. Bless ch- children no matter if they're not your own or not. All right? So, bless the babies. Uh, Julie and I have decided that the second Sunday in July will be our day to bless Noah every year for the rest of our lives. So we've set that aside. You want to hear the blessing I did for him? Oh, you get to anyway, because it's here, right? (laughs) So I said, Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, bless Noah with your peace, which passes all understanding. Thank you for your promise to protect his heart, his thoughts, his feelings, and his mind through Christ Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith. 
Give Noah godly wisdom with which to perceive and evaluate each circumstance throughout his life. Bless Noah with grace and mercy to put his trust in you every day. Father, would you give grace to Noah to think about, to focus on, whatsoever things are true, your word is true. May he think about whatsoever things are honest, things that are honorable. May Noah think about whatsoever things are just, things that are right and holy. Give Noah grace to think on things that are pure and lovely and of good report. Give him wisdom to choose to walk with virtue and excellence, making praiseworthy decisions. Guide Noah in paths of righteousness. As Noah learns how to walk in faith and wisdom, receiving those virtues as a gift from your hands, please fill him with your peace. Help him to obey his parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to you. Thank you, Father, for your promise to be with Noah and to give him thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give him a future and a hope. Teach him how to walk in your peace daily. Remind him that with you nothing shall be impossible. Lastly, Heavenly Father, bless Noah with a love of water, snow, music, and a wicked curveball. Amen. Amen. This kid doesn't have a chance. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. So, church family, bless your babies. No matter how old, bless your children, bless your grandchildren, all of them. Bless the children, even if they're not your own. Amen? Amen. Amen. You're thinking, let me see, book of Revelation. When was that? There we go. That's all right. All right. Yes, we are studying the book of Revelation. We're halfway through. We're going to finish up chapter 11 tonight. So open up your Bibles to chapter 11, verse 7. Chapter 11, verse 7. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this evening and the opportunity to study your word. We ask that you would give us all understanding and that we'd be able to apply it to our lives so that we would be more like your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All righty. So we're going to pick up at chapter 11, verse 7. Chapter 11, verse 7. And we'll read through the end of the chapter. And, and so as we start, we're speaking of the two witnesses. Verse 7, when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the people's tribes, tongues and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them. Make merry and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Verse 11. Now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. In the same hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. Verse 14, The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. 
and the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come. Because you have taken your great power and reigned, the nations were angry, and your wrath has come at the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, earthquake, and great hail. There we go, chapter 11. Amazing things, amazing things going on. So let's jump in. Verse 7, he says, When they finish the testimony... The beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And as the case of many other great prophets of God, when their ministry is finished, God permits their enemies to overcome, to overcome them. Uh, here in verse 7, we read that the beast from the bottomless pit, which is none other than Satan himself, makes war against the two witnesses, overcomes them, and kills them. I'm sure at this point he'll be feeling pretty smug, right? Uh, but just wait. Now, this is the first of 36 references in the book of Revelation to the beast. To help you keep track, uh, the beast out of the pit is Satan. Okay, The beast out of the pit is Satan. The beast out of the sea is the world dictator. And the beast out of the land is the false religious leader of the day. And we're going to read about those other beasts uh, in chapter 13. Verse 8, and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. So great is the victory over these two witnesses and so significant is their death to their enemies that they really go beyond common decency and they allow these bodies to lay in the streets for three and a half days. Um, Apparently huge crowds would come to see the dead bodies and, you know, they're looking at these two dead bodies of those who they feared greatly in life and this is seen all around the world. And, and now with the advent of the World Wide Web, and we talked about this a little last week, is that, that that's all possible. We can all see the same thing at once. When it says the phrase, those who dwell on the earth, it seems to refer to those who are not only living physically on the earth, but also whose hope is limited to this, their present life. In other words, they're still, they still have a hard heart. And we're going to read about this, we'll read that phrase more than a dozen times as, as we continue through the book of Revelation. According to verse 10, their death is the equation for, a, for a, a great rejoicing, and it's a worldwide celebration, it's a worldwide party. And they're going to have merry feasts and send gifts because they're certain that their fear of God's wrath is no longer justified. They think it's all over. Not so much. They haven't seen anything yet. Verse 11, Now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, 
and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. So their party's cut a little short, isn't it? What a downer. After three and a half days, the two witnesses are restored life. And as they stand on their feet before a startled crowd, can't you just see this happening? It says, here's these dead guys, you know, flies all over. In three and a half days, they're laying in the street, you know, they're kind of in the gutter and all of this. And three and a half days later, they rise to their feet. Wow, that's going to be awesome. Um, and as they stand on their feet before this startled crowd, the, the, just fear falls on them. I can imagine it's even greater than what it was before. And then their amazement increases because what do they hear? They hear a voice from heaven saying, come up here, come up hither, right? And then they watch the two witnesses ascend into heaven. Now, there's some similarities between this event and then the rapture of the church that we talked about from chapter 4. But the contrast is also pretty evident. The rapture will take place in the twinkling of a eye. Yeah, so it happens like that, right? Not this one. This one's in slow-mo, right? This one's they stand up and they rise and go up into the cloud in slow motion. It's going to be amazing. Um, the parallel here is the ascension of Christ on the Mount of Olives. And, and so when the disciples watched him ascend into heaven, uh, and like the two witnesses, he was received in a cloud. And uh, so this demonstration of rising these two witnesses will be God's last warning directed to those who uh, reject his grace. This is it. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. So not only is the world shaken up emotionally by what they saw, they're shaken up physically by what they felt. A great earthquake. How many people like earthquakes? Okay. All right, Shane, I have some questions for you, but that's okay. But yeah, you know, it's one of those things where when the earth starts shaking, you totally are, uh, you recognize that you are powerless and there's nothing you can do. And so uh, they're, they're shaking emotionally and they're shaking physically. And, and although, as you read here, they, they give God credit for the powerful earthquake, but it doesn't seem to indicate that they repent. It's not like they come to a point of true faith in Christ. They're just saying, oh, well, God's at it again. Right? Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. When the seventh trumpet sounds and John hears these great voices in heaven announcing that the kingdoms have become the kingdoms of Christ and that from here on out, Jesus is going to reign forever and ever. This is exciting. I mean, this is fulfillment of prophecy all through the Old Testament. It's everywhere. Um, a few of the ones that, that uh, I really loved was Ezekiel 21, 26 through 27. It says, Thus says the Lord God, Remove the turban and take off the crown. Nothing shall remain the same. Exalt the humble and humble the exalted. Overthrown, overthrown, I will make it overthrown. It shall be no longer until he 
comes whose right it is, and I will give it to him. Hallelujah. Daniel 4.3 says, How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Zechariah 14.9, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth, and in that day it shall be. The Lord is one, and his name one. Amen? Amen. That's, that's exciting. You know who else was exciting? The 24 elders. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. So the 24 the elders, they fall down to worship. Let me see, how many times have they fell down to worship before? What is the answer? Oh, thank you. It's always seven. All right. Yes. So seven times before, this is the eighth time these guys drop to their faces and worship God. Now, this Thanksgiving isn't to thank God that he's already done this and that, you know, it, it, it's finally happened, but that the hour has come for it to take place and that these things are permanently set in motion, that there's nothing that anybody can do to stop it and that's why there's still some vials that need to be poured out. But we're going to finish the process. But the process is in motion. Verse 18, And the nations were angry. And so as the earth shakes, are people repentant? No. They're angry. And your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they shall be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints. And those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. So those who destroy or literally corrupt or pollute, uh, corrupt or pollute the earth, they're going to be destroyed. While those who serve God will be rewarded, small and great. Verse 19, then the temple of God was opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake and great hail. So this amazing fireworks show happens at the opening of the temple in heaven. And, and this demonstration, the lightnings, noises, thunderings, earthquake, and this great hail, it, it shows the presence of the Lord is there. Okay? And as you, as you hear that description, where else have we, have we read that? And, and the way I saw it, it was reminiscent of God's presence on Mount Sinai in uh, Exodus 19. 16 through 19, it reads, Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and become louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Now, Exodus 19 sounds a lot like Revelation 11, doesn't it? Okay? You know, the more and more I, I study and the more I learn about Scripture, the more consistent and precise I see that our God is. It doesn't surprise me that he is, is a God of patterns. You know, living in these days, 
with all the things that are going on and our society is in such a decline, sometimes you get a little impatient. You're thinking, come quickly, Lord Jesus, like now, right? Yet, you know, when you think that you probably had that same prayer five or ten years ago, you know, I'm really glad that he waited because during that time, so many people have been added to the kingdom. And so the patience and waiting of the Lord, it it truly equals to the salvation of the lost. For God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God's given an opportunity for people to repent. In Genesis 6-3, God said to Noah, he says, My spirit shall not always strive with man. So we realize that the age of grace is closing out. I mean, literally, the age of grace is closing out and rapidly coming to an end. And God's going to move on with the things of his eternal kingdom and here in Revelation and in our present world. So both things. You've got to think of, you know, back to the future. That's what we're reading about. And so God's moving on with the things of his in eternal kingdom. So it is definitely an exciting time. Amen? Amen. So my challenge to you this week is to bless your kids. Okay? Bless your kids. Bless other kids. Bless your neighbor's kids. Bless each other. Okay? Take advantage of the opportunities that the Lord gives us as his representatives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for this evening. Thanks for your love. Thanks for your blessing on your people and the ability for us to bless each other. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' precious and holy name, and all God's people said, Amen. Have a blessed week. We'll see you Sunday.